Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Our Core Listing, the podcast. Chris, let's tell everyone about our brand new sponsor. Yes, new sponsor alert. Egg Fried, brand new clothing brand from our very own home county of Essex. If you're into street art, comic books, kind of alternative lifestyle, kind of gigs, watching cool films, crazy art, throwing a kind of little bit of Asian culture and a a slightly warped sense of humour and then you kind of get where they're going with egg fried right what do they make they make punchy graphic tees hoodies sweatshirts wicked art prints as well as a denim range that's handmade in house which I think is really cool because it supports that slow fashion movement it's domestically made stuff and it lasts a long time and that's really where we're going now we shouldn't be buying a load of throwaway stuff absolutely and they're supporting your wallets as well and let me tell you how they're doing that if you go over to eggfried.com, go and buy some of their amazing garments, throw them in your uh, basket. Before you check out, they have given you lovely listeners an exclusive 10% discount code. And that discount code is EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D. Put that in, save yourself 10%. And, and if you're not even up for spending money on yourselves, who else can they spend their money on, Chris? They have a kids range called Small Fried. Very cute, very cool, and that's also available at eggfried.com. Official sponsors of Hardcore Listing. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. Uh, I'm one half of your presenting duo. I'm Stuart Roy Whiffin, sitting opposite me today via the means of Zoomies. The better half, Christopher William Harold Glasson. Harold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad was a massive fan of uh, Neighbours. Ah, right, Bishop, not Lloyd. Mm, no, yeah. no, yeah. yeah. I, I, I did speak to someone once that claims to have gone on the, the, the trip where you get to go around Ramsey Street, <laughs> and them trips are, are, are kind of led by Harold Bishop. I can't remember what his name was, Ian something, I believe. It's Harold Bishop, uh, mate. And uh, Harold Bishop, sorry, my bad. Uh, and apparently he used the classic where someone at the end of the thing where it was a and a just said, They'd add the amp, and they just said, why are you such a fat cunt? And he, went, <laughs> and he just chimed straight back in, Harold Bishop, with the, the old school, because every time I fuck your mum, she gives me a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> just one other interesting fact on Harold Bishop. Top five Harold Bishop facts. <laughs> that's, that's where I learned what the word jowls meant. 
Because you know he had nice flabby yeah. jowls, didn't you, Harold? <laughs> like that. There we go. So, that's not what this podcast's about. Uh, Hardcore Listening, if it's your first time listening, is a show where we invite a guest on. Sometimes we just go uh, on our own to discuss a top five. A top five of the guest's choice. Mm. This week's top five choice is really great. I'm looking forward to it. But before we introduce our guest... Shu, do you want to uh, give a shout out to our sponsors? Yeah, I'm looking at your t-shirt today. So uh, if you're one of our patrons and you're watching this, you will see what a glorious t-shirt Christopher's wearing, which is uh, produced by Egg Fried, www.eggfried.com. Go and check them out. They do amazing streetwear and they're being super kind and giving us a discount code. So if you go over there, do your shopping, put in the discount code, Christopher. Egg salad egg salad and then you will save yourself some money but we've got a few sponsors and they're all part of our lovely gang our other sponsor is love-beer.co.uk and that's charles and he delivers well he, he builds bars in in anything in like cars front rooms wherever you want one he'll build you a bar but he also delivers amazing beer to your doorstep and he's out and about doing that now so head over to the website and support independent businesses like love-beer.co.uk. Have we got nice. another one? <clears throat> nah, don't worry about the other one. Only joking, Luke Bamboom, Bamboom Creative. Actually a friend of the guests we have on today as well. Yes. Um, all working in the, in the wonderful world of uh, film and media and photography. Um, Bamboom work with a lot of great uh, charities such as the Katie Piper Foundation, Children in Need. And they also decided to sponsor this shit show. Um, Luke's wonderful. If you need any sort of video work done, editing, filming, uh, full, body to a high, full body massage to a higher standard, then um, tap up Bang Boom. Absolutely. Uh, and just a big shout out to our producer, Mr. 76, who yeah. kind of couples all of this nonsense together and makes it sound as bad as pleasant as it could possibly be for your ear holes. He's but, currently also issued some Christmas beats as well. Yes. That we're gonna, I'll, I'll post about that later on our socials. Absolutely. Um, so let's get on with today's guest. Um, Christopher, I'll, I'll leave you to... Uh, I know he's a mutual friend, but uh, he was your friend first. He's not... more my friend than he's your friend. He is. I'm, he is. I'm more a Class A friend for this guy. You're probably down in sort of like D-lister. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah? comfortable there, yeah. Uh, it's a good old friend of mine who's got too many... knows all my skeletons in my closet and, and, and crammed a few in there himself. Um, it's Aaron Shrimpton. Uh, wonderful... Videographer, director, animator, genuine, brilliant man, Aaron Shrimpton. Hello, mate. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, I mean, I was a bit disappointed because I thought this was going to be off the beaten track, but never mind. Um, we're in now. <laughs> Chris did lure me in saying it was on, but I was a bit surprised when you were on the call. I was like, what's he doing here? I, I didn't realise he listened into all your off the beaten track calls as well. <laughs> I told Aaron that this was a stepping stone onto off the beaten track, so that's the only reason why he's here. I'm a bit gutted, to honest you, but never mind, we're here now. Yeah. I thought, because obviously, you know, your podcast is, is one of frivolity, so I thought I'd start off in tradition and get myself a... Bear with me, bear with me. Oh, he's disappeared, he's disappeared. Like, What's going like on? If, if you're a $15 patron, you can see Aaron's... Because I know you, I know you boys, so I just walked off the uh, screen there. I know you boys like to get drunk for your uh, hardcore listing. Wow. Have you got, is that a can of Peroni? can of Peroni. Not us, but any other brand is, is available. But well, Welcome to Basildon at 
Just to let anyone know who doesn't know what time we're recording, it's ten past nine in the morning. So. <laughs> I mean, are you boys surely going to have a like, what, join me, right? No? Yeah, I've got, I've got whiskey in this cup, honestly, mate. <laughs> well, what's funny, Aaron, is like, there was I a mean, time... I mean, Aaron, if you just... <laughs> I'm not getting the full t- whiffing experience, but I feel like, you know... Is that a, fake, t- is that a fake brick poster behind you, or is that actually... Is that it, it, real do you know brick? what? Every single person that comes on any of the podcasts goes, is that a real brick wall behind you? It was, I think it was two ninety nine a row at the range. Uh, <laughs> far less glamorous. I've got to say, I mean, there was a time when we would drink at ten past nine and think it was cool. I reckon you're going to drink about a I still think that, it's, I still think it is. And, then, and I think you're going to then go straight to bed after this. <laughs> I'm going to finish off, uh, finish off watching The Raid. I think it's suitable watching that drunk. Oh, mate, that's a yeah, good shout. Well, how did, actually, how did the podcast go with Aaron? Yeah, he peaked about 20 past <laughs> nine and threw up and went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then came knocking on our door at midnight. Well, a, couple of, a couple of weeks ago, we had someone take a dump live on uh, live on the show. So, yep. uh, yeah, you've got, you got a way to go, mate. But, you know, it's, it's early doors, 10 past nine. Uh, but you mentioned the raid there, and um, that kind of follows us quite nicely into what your top five is today, matey. So, what was your decision um, well, to come on and I do? Well, I thought about this long and hard, uh, and I was thinking about top five dinners that sound shit but are actually good. Um, <laughs> and then I thought top five fuck that hip-hop tunes that make you cry. Yes. Uh, and I've got top Good five choices. toys, but top five toys. Who collects toys at the age of 39? I don't know any man who does that. <laughs> I probably, we like, can, in we any other room, to... in every other room, I could have reached and pulled over a Warhammer figure. So that's... Uh, we... well, it reach. means I could mug you and Rykoff in the both, in the both one <laughs> sentence there. Um, so my top five is top five cinematic experiences... Now, as pretentious as that sounds, it's really about your favourite experiences of going to the cinema. And I thought it was quite relevant now because cinemas are in a bit of a tough time of it. And I'm a cinema addict. Uh, I've got a local cinema near me, the Festival Leisure Park. I must go there every other day. I think, the, um, I think some of the people who work there know me better than I know their family. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, I just thought like, cinemas had a massive impact in my life. Uh, yeah, and it's just, you know, those... Those moments, I can remember them like vividly. You know, those times where you walk out of cinema and you just feel euphoric, and they can, you know, they literally changed my life. And you know, it has, you know, also like you can associate uh, going to the cinema for various different reasons: going with your mates, or when you've had a difficult time and you've gone for, you know, gone to clear your mind and escape. And yeah, just it's just bloody good fun, really, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I, I love the choice, and yeah, I absolutely love the cinema. The whole the whole magic of the cinema, I couldn't really replace it. No matter how big TVs get at home now and that, there's nothing quite like going to the cinema. And we've we've always had a, a fa- fantastic relationship with the cinemas that have been available in Basildon. A lot of the time, you, you've you've worked there. Other friends have worked there. Um, you've effectively worked there now. You you give you definitely watch more films at the cinema than Pip, which is saying something. Because he's always in there, and he's a, he's like a dangerous loner. But you do it. You, I think sometimes Pip does it just to get away from people. You do it just because you like to go and watch movies. Um, well, I did. I remember once. Uh, so me and Pip, uh, I think we'd do something similar. Although we, we like love the cinema, we love going there when there's no one there. <laughs> so like, we love the cinema on our own when there's no one sitting near us eating nachos like Chris <laughs> likes to do. Like, well, we were watching going to see Arrival, and Chris was like. Right next to me, and I had to get up and I moved. (laughs) 
because he was ruining the film. And he still thinks I'm quite neurotic about that disturbing what a cinematic experience is. But you listen to this beautiful sound design made by an amazing sound design guy. And you've got Chris going, next to your ear hole. What was brilliant was you then bought that dynamic Chris to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> then just spent the first six months with me just chomping crisps down the microphone. <laughs> all our early reviews was like, yeah, it's all right. I mean, I wish they'd just stop fucking eating. <laughs> we just wanted to make sure that we, you know, let everyone know what they were in store for. So for the first six months, we tried to alienate as many people. And... <laughs> um, uh, mate, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I could do a top uh, of this. I could do a top five of walking out of our, our cinema complex over at uh, Baz Vegas. I've got, I've got five moments of walking out of there and just being. One of my honourable wow. mentions is connected to one of the films we went to see. Actually, amazing, amazing. Well, do you want to give us, a, give us your number five? Are they in order, mate, or are they just? Well, sort of like, the just... order's quite strange. I saw. I, I've literally did more. I've done more work on this than my this. My dissertation at uni. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am definitely a nerd. Um, so I sort of had to categorise them. And because I realised they're not my favourite films. Like, not all of them. And this yeah. first one. And I wrote Cinematic Experiences. Because you could, I think you can get that from maybe watching a film at home. To a certain degree. But, but I had yeah. the first one uh, is A Razorhead by David Lynch. Oh, wow. Wonderful. So I'm a massive Lynch fan. Um, he's, you know, he's not for everyone, and he, he's definitely on the on the weird side of things. But like in Inland Empire is is a tough film. I went to see that three times. Um, but I think I remember I was like 18 and I was doing a photography course. Um, so I guess he's a kind of got a, a bit of a narrative to him, not like how I've structured these films. Uh, and I was 18 and I was like just started photography and I was a bit out of my depth to be honest. I didn't really didn't know anything about art. And I think it was like the third class we had, and it was like our visual media or cultural media class. And uh, it was this really cool uh, lady called Jane, who was like in her sixties. There was rumours she used to keep a bit, of, she used to keep a little bottle of rum in the in her drawer. <laughs> um, but it might be a rumour. And uh, she just put like, put. I was, I'm going to show you a film, uh, and I was like, oh, we were like, okay. And we were all sitting around, and he's like, you know, there was a screen, so it's technically cinematic. Uh, you know, the light, it was a good cinematic experience in that respect. Uh, people I didn't know, and we watched, she put that on, and I, I literally, I didn't know, I think I'd seen a bit of Twin Peaks maybe on TV, but it just like flipped my head upside down, and I sort of left, think I'd left with an idea of what the world was going to be at 18, and come out of a whole different perspective, like what you could achieve creatively, and you know, it was probably alright to be weird, <laughs> that was probably quite yeah. a helpful thing. Um, and then, yeah, and that film really kind of informed me going forward, actually, a lot. Uh, and I think there's, like, things about that film that I love, that he spent seven years working on that, and he made it with his friends, and they, rent, they had this, like, Hollywood home, and they'd, like, someone had gifted them. So every night they would do a shot. So it was, like, it was spent, they spent a long time on it. I think it was, like, four to seven years or something like that. And during trying to fund his own, like, life, he had, like, a paper round as an adult. Like, so he really properly <laughs> grafted. And yeah. that was, uh, I think it was produced by Mel Brooks. And Mel Brooks is obviously a really huge name yeah. in comedy. And I just, like, he, he met David Lynch and he was, like, he realised that he, had, he was going to do nothing else with his life other than make these kind of art house films. So it gave him the opportunity. So, you know, it's just really inspiring kind of film really I suppose no, it's, it's a it's a harassing film but I think Lynch if anything teaches you that film doesn't ha- can be about art and not about 
just like telling norm, like normal sort of narratives, which I love, by the way, and, and some of my top five are as base as you can get. But, yeah, when you see a movie like that, you walk away from it, it can change your opinion on on, on what, what a film can do for you. I, I recently only just watched Climax from Gaspar Noe, and fucking hell, that was a hard watch, but it was also really good. But again, it's like, you're not, you don't go and watch his movies, I don't think, all the time to, to, to get a normal, average cinema experience it goes transcends that into art definitely yeah that i suppose that's the word to be and i thought also this is probably the most pretentious one so i thought to start with this one as well <laughs> um <laughs> well i've actually got the wrong top five in front of me hang on. so i changed this so many times and that was i mean arguably it's my favorite film in many ways because it had such a profound impact on me but like yeah. up to that point might you know i think i'd you know ghostbusters Probably is one of my favourite films as well, but I really hadn't seen Correct. anything like. I didn't know what our house was yeah. really, you know. So, yeah. and it's a, it's about basically fear of having kids as well, because he, he yeah. was really stressed out that he was having kids, and he thought it was going to completely reduce all of his time and creativity. So it's like, it's a really fucked up, you know, image of like yeah, what, what there's some metaphors of that. I mean, Chris have no experience of like that. So is it like that? Is it like that for you? Was it like that for you, Stu? <laughs> Yeah, like my life literally just come to a grinding halt. Everything stopped. It's just been, it's been a really, the last 18 years have just been harrowing. Like a Gaspar Noir film. <laughs> and now you've sort of, you've sort of adopted Chris as well. So that's like... <laughs> every, every cloud is a lining. <clears throat> so you came, so that's what you've done. You came out of, because I, I remember, see, I, I remember that I managed, I don't know if many people know on this uh, podcast, but I got a first-class degree in a proper subject, didn't I? Oh, is economics. that right, Chris? I'd never heard that before. No, no, I got a first-class degree in economics, which is considered like one of the classical, difficult subjects. And then you went and... Sorry, sorry, in... sorry, sorry. One of the classical... Classic. I don't know. Oh, sorry, you said I classical. Didn't, I didn't study sorry. fucking English. Oh, right, um, OK. Just, just wanted to clarify that. Sorry. But, Cla- but then I got that. I felt like I'd grafted... And then Aaron invited me over to his house to show me what he'd been doing for his dissertation for <laughs> fucking me, like film and media. And he'd been filming light switches. Not just and light switches, like, a toaster, a kettle, a microwave, a radiator and a washing got, machine. And the washing machine got, was the central character, I must say. He got a fucking first. <laughs> and I felt I never felt so ripped off in my whole life. He actually said, he said... I can't believe I worked, how hard I worked to get a first, and how much work I had to do, and you just film things in your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but no, jokes aside, I think like, always watching your creative process has been really, uh, it's been really great, mate. Like, um, even outside of uni, when you went, you know, a lot of the animation you did alongside music videos, like Pips Astronaut was absolutely fucking dope. Mm. Loads of stuff you've done for Yilla. And then, well, you just continued to do that. And you've also now done, well, you've you've just finished. It's in the can. You've done a short film. I have, yeah. I was just going to say, I thanks very much for making Astronaut uh, one of your top fives. Actually, um, oh, it is one of the uh, yeah. I think it was a Patreon one, wasn't it? Actually, have, have you mentioned Patreon yet? <laughs> oh, not yet. No. Uh, so you have to listen to get sign up to Patreon to get that one. Um, but yeah, that was. Um, I thought. I mean, I honestly thought it was like top five was going to be Aaron, but you know. Never mind, uh, Sorry, never mind, mate. he went rational, uh, which you worked on, you helped on, in fact, Chris was la- in, in one of the shots accidentally, because he was laying on his lap, he was laying down on his laptop, <laughs> you can see his feet in one of the corner of the frames. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I've just done a short film, 
uh, called Arcadia Last, which I'm editing at the moment. I was really hoping to get a first cut for you guys to see, actually, but it's a long process. Um, and yeah, I've I've been working up to that for quite a long time. I wanted to create a company, and then the company sort of started taking care of itself, really. And then I thought, really, it's time to sort of invest in myself, invest in, or not just myself, and like uh, Essex film as well and maybe giving other people opportunities and I decided to pay everyone so everyone was on a sort of uh, a sort of set fee uh, from like the actor who'd never been on film before to the runner to the camera guy you know everyone was on the same page really with it yeah mate that's really impressive I'm sure we'll dip in and out of asking a few more questions about that as we go along Um, shall we have your number four number four is um, right hang on sorry I've got loads of notes for these. I've managed to just, just say that Kubrick's favourite film was a razorhead, just so you know. And white men can't jump. Just a little little fact <laughs> yeah. to you. It's a true story. They're very sick or very similar narratives. To yeah. Them, to you. Um, so number four, and this is a difficult one to put in number four, but it's a 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Now, I don't think, I'm assuming you've both seen this film. Yeah, <laughs> a long time ago. I haven't seen it for... I don't reckon I've seen it for 15 years. See, did you see it in a cinema? No, I saw it in, I saw it in 2001, I think, when it came out. Very good, very good. <laughs> uh, uh, so no, I like, didn't see it in a cinema. I saw, it, I I saw this film with my girlfriend and a mutual friend of ours, Laura Whiting, and I'd, like, I'd seen yeah. it before, and I don't, I don't know what it was, but that guy was smart, because like, watching a cinema was a completely different experience. Like, I... It was overwhelming. Like, it was quite emotional coming out of it. And everything, I guess, on a smaller scale, you'd question a little bit, like the like the, the evolution, the dawn of time, and it's like when they're changing to turn into Neanderthal, you know, like the, the dawn of humanity, I guess, what he's trying to describe. Yeah. And they, when they, you know, they, they invent fire or whatever it is. Or they, no, they invent, they invent the fact they can beat each other up with, uh, with bones. <laughs> I think that's what they figure out. <laughs> um, and the power that can create. Um, but, uh, autonomy of uh, what is it a minute I suppose if you've got if you can oppose violence over someone else you can control them and all that kind of stuff mm, um, definitely so I just couldn't believe how much better it was in the cinema and like and that made me realise that, that the impact uh, of a big screen can do like you could watch yeah. a film five times on a small screen but actually see it on a big screen with proper sound um, yeah. yeah it's just just amazing and like I love the fact that um and it's hard to put that in number four because honestly, I don't think I'll ever have a better cinema experience than that or watching that film. Uh, it is literally perfect in many ways, um, and it's you know it's avant-garde for most people. But it's a, like the, the, it's a massive budget film as well at the time. And it's obviously impossible to not mention Kubrick when you're talking about cinema. Um, but it's such a huge budget movie at the time, and it totally tanked for like the first month or so. Like no one was going to see it, and then slowly but surely, like people, there was this kind of swell of people going to watch it at the front. But they all sitting at the front, and they all went. It was all going on like stoners and acid heads, like going for the experience. And slowly mm. but surely, that the 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 ticket sales just started going up, and it became this huge cult hit. So like that's in it. He took a massive. Uh, risk to try and make that and you know and it sort of turned itself around so it, it actually did, did it was it a, a commercial success in the end then in the cinema it actually turned itself around pretty i'm pretty sure yeah i mean i, I mean i don't well it went from like nothing to sort of leveling out really which you yeah know, 
which you just wouldn't have today, I don't think. No, absolutely. If it's mm. not, if it's not, if it doesn't start doing well in the first two weeks, cinemas are already thinking about it. Wouldn't be there, would it? it right? out. Yeah, no. So absolutely. I think back then that it was kept on for like you know they could keep a, a cinema a, a, a film in a in a cinema for maybe a few months, you know. Yeah, they would. They didn't. It's a known fact that the world only produced about three movies. In, across the world, only about three were made a week, weren't they, back then? So they they make a lot more now. That's a fact. Anyone can look that up on Google. Is that guesswork, Chris, or is that? It's massive, massive, horrendous guesswork. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, you can't get the same. I mean, te- well, my setup at home now is is pretty, is really quite good for for cinema. But there's some you can't once you get to those size screens, and also the space of the room that you're in. It adds a different level of atmosphere to it. Whether or not you're watching something science fiction, even like a, a simple drama, it can add something to it. Although I, I feel sometimes I, I don't need to rush to the cinema to watch something like Shame. Um, I don't know. But sh- sh- sorry, mate. Sorry to upset you there. But like, she looks a little bit. <laughs> she had a really like. Why is he digging that film out again? <laughs> horror, horror. You can't when you watch it in that screen. It's like you can't escape it, which I love. Whether it's a fun horror or more traumatizing one, um, what? Sorry, yeah. just what have you got? To, what's your top? What was your five and four? Well, I, I, I'll say it's a, the, the, this is completely the other end of it. <coughs> um, but if I was going to say like a science fiction one, it's the absolute other end of that. Um, and, and it's it's for all the opposite reasons, really. That something like two thousand and one. Where you get you 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 immerse yourself in really the uh, the, the film, and you know. Um, it's Independence Day. Jackson Saves the Moon. The incredible new children's book from Darren Garwood and illustrator Carl Osborne is now available at www.jacksonsuperhero.com, Amazon, Waterstones, and all other major book outlets. Join Jackson in a quest to bring back the moonshine, meet aliens from another planet, and fly in a rocket ship across the galaxy. Jackson Saves the Moon. Other titles in the series include Jackson Saves an Owl, and Jackson's solution to pollution. Live the adventure at www.jacksonsuperhero.com. I I remember coming out of Independence Day, absolutely pumped up. Like I can I can remember who I, I can remember coming out. It, I went with a lot of people as well. It was a complete social thing, and I was only what I was like eighteen, nineteen. And I have no complaints about how that movie, how that movie delivered to me as a fun popcorn eating, watching it with a load of people, with loads of explosions and good special effects and a very simple, painted by numbers storyline. Had no problems with it. It blew me away. I absolutely loved it. I don't think that film stood the test of time. I guess it never was going to. But I love Will Smith as well. I just love it. It was all the reasons that I'd want to go and watch a, a big blockbuster movie in the cinema screen. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like when I worked at uh, uh, Festival Leisure Park with lots of our mutual friends, like I mean, I probably like enjoy like cinematic experiences. Probably like Armageddon. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't watch it. Again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, all those films when you first like going to watch the cinema, I've just there's like oh, the euphoria of it. But I guess over time, you can't. You know, I've watched so many films that like, I don't think I can. I don't think Armageddon can, can get in there now. <laughs> Steve Buscemi high in space is quite interesting. But yeah, I, I, I get more bored of that narrative now. I can still enjoy it, but but not as, as, as much. How about you, Stu? Is there anyone? Well, I, I've got a kind of 
throw a spanner in the works to a degree because I don't get like uh, the, the cinema experience. I quite enjoy it, but I'm I will quite happily get as engrossed watching a film on my TV. Mm. Like um, my 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 missus loves the cinema, the cinematic experience, the fact that when the festival ledger shut a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago before lockdown, the last night it was open, we went there just to experience cinema again. You I mean, saw we a quality to, movie as well, didn't well, you? Well, it was fucking dreadful. We had to watch Bill and Ted and it was fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> I saw that as well. <laughs> but, but, you know, and I have had certain experiences, but I think like... The, 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 the one that just strikes me, and I've probably spoke about it on this podcast before, is, is, is when I was probably maybe 13 and I went to see Rocky IV uh, at the State Theatre in Greys, which is an, an incredible theatre. Um, it's huge. Uh, for, for people that want to see it, go and watch uh, Jamiroquai's Deeper Underground video because that was, that was shot in there. And, and also this, the cinema scenes in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, that's, that's filmed in the state as well. Um, it's a probably huge one of my favourite films, actually. If you very much love it, great, great film. Good movie. Um, I saw a, a, a porno once called "Who Shaved Rogers Rabbits," <laughs> which I thought was fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, it, it, it was like being at the fight. Like as soon as like uh, James Brown come out to living in America, everyone stood up and was dancing. And then, as soon as the fight started, everyone was ch- like screaming at the, at the at the screen like like you was at a fight, and it was just amazing. And I remember coming out of there super pumped, like even oh, though that yeah. film finishes with the, the you know uh, the the Cold War ending, and, uh, and, <laughs> and 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 Stallone has bought Russia and America together, which was amazing. Uh, I still just come running out of there with a montage in my head, ready to just stick one on someone. Like, it was like, <laughs> I was ready to go, and uh, but yeah, that that experience was just like I, I could never ever got a, 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 a cinematic experience where everybody's standing up and shouting sounds terrible, but when you're watching a, a, a fight film like Rocky, it was just incredible, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. And that, that film is dreadful as well. Of, of the Rocky <laughs> films, that's not one of the better ones. <laughs> but that is like that is that that thing I was talking about. Uh, it just does weird things to your brain. I remember like watching leaving Interstellar and just sort of thinking I was, you know, I just believed in parallel like, worlds and like, like travelling through time in non-linear like ways. Like, you know, oh, as you man. believe it's almost possible for like, it does like it literally from leaving a cinema to maybe when I'm going past Pizza Art, it kind of dies off a little bit. <laughs> 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 and then I'm walking through the back streets going home, you know, and I'm just like getting, getting, getting random people going, oh, gaze up! Like, you know, or some random nutters <laughs> driving past you. Um, yeah, it kind of, it does wear off quite fast these days. But no, I, I could, like, one of my, um, like, a, a slight honourable mention, I watched um, Requiem for a Dream in a house once. Oh and my God. I'd never, I'd, I literally had no idea I was about to watch. You, you, you was, watched that at a cinema? No, no, so I watched it, I didn't watch it at a cinema, I watched it at a house. And I had no idea what I was about to watch. And, a good friend of ours, David Walker, who's uh, we'll probably we'll talk about in a bit. Um, he he was like, "Do you know what? I can actually feel myself starting to shut down <laughs> inside at the thought of that film. Like, it's just all starting to. It makes to feel me, my whole body go a bit limp. It thinking, makes me go. Oh, it's made me feel cold. Actually, it really is. Like, um, 
But he he, he just oh. went, he just whispered, like all the lights are off. We've just moved into this like, this little flat in Hackney. And the first time I ever lived in London, so it's like, you know, that kind of atmosphere to it. When Hackney was a very different place. Uh, before it took, like, well, I lived around the corner of Dawson. It was, you know, now it's Ibiza, but back then it wasn't. <laughs> um, and he just whispered to me, welcome to the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, he weren't lying. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh God, that stays with me. That like that score by Clint Mansell is unbelievable. That yeah, day. it's brilliant. It's it's incredible. That turned me on to Clint Mansell and um, and Requiem for a Dream. I watched it on a come down, an acid come down. I think I've watched that film three times and two times I was on drug come downs. I mean, what is wrong with me? Like, talk about eight your soul out. We we haven't got enough time to talk about what's wrong with you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fucking hell. Well, you, you I- mentioned Dave Walker there. Um, Dave's done some art. So, so basically, you, you paid everyone uh, on the short movie that you've just... Uh, short film. Yeah. Movie, w- w- film. So there was like 40, 40 of your, your people was... involved and some... I, I'm... As, as Chris... I probably mention this more than Chris mentions having a black belt in karate, Stu. So I'm dyslexic. So oh, okay. I have to sort of pre pre warn people sometimes. My emails are fucking atrocious. Um, my communication is not good. And for a director, that's not, not the greatest thing in the world. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but so I was like trying to kind of alternate. So I'm I'm terrified of applying for funding and applications and things like that. Being judged and writing really, you know, freaks me out. I'm more of a person who likes to do stuff and be active and you know make it happen rather than wait for people to give me money. Maybe, maybe it's a bit of a working class chip on my shoulder. I don't know. Um, but I feel like with uh, there's, there's ways of alternative modes of funding for projects like this, and I'm lucky enough to have like three successful artists as friends: Riker, uh, Joe Peel, and David Walker, and they've they, they did a drawing, like a movie poster, for the film to then to sell at a much reduced price. That then can be, hopefully, I can put some money back into to produce, help them oh, uh, publish the film. Uh, pay for music and hopefully put a little bit in a can for a next couple of shorts as well. Um, and this short was like had so many locations and we had to do it over so such a like so long period of time for a short film. Um, 
we spent like you know going to an arcade for three different days and scheduling like around everyone's timetable it was kind of confusing but so the next ones I want to make a lot shorter and a lot sharper and hopefully with the money I make from the prints then I can you know put some money back into the film and also yeah. pay more people for music, local music artists uh, musicians um, there's a couple of people one's actually hopefully been, one's been actually been on your podcast you off the beaten track uh, Luke Branch hopefully going to make some music for it so I can oh, pay wonderful. those guys and with that hopefully I can maybe make a little uh, 7 inch vinyl uh, there'll be three original compositions made for the film and on the flip side there'll be three remixes that we can hopefully produce as well and publish and create, and create more money to then make another film and you know uh, cool. so it can grow you know organically I guess I mean That's I've amazing. Very, very cool uh, yeah, and with Joe and David and Ryan, you know, I've made lots of films with them in the past. And that's probably how I started making films and promos. And with Ryan in particular, um, so I'm going off the track now. I'm going off the beaten track now. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the I started making films with Ryan, and Ryan was started to do, uh, had an opportunity to work with Fatboy Slim. And yeah, I ended up like being working with him, and you know, so that I will probably end up making films for them uh, in exchange for their time for this but you know it's kind of like you kind of grow as as friends and creatives and it's you know it was nice for me to go and ask them and they were all really supportive and really up for it and they've made some really amazing artworks for it I've seen the artwork it's really dope it's very very cool Um, but what's the uh, what's the movie about what's the short film about briefly so it took me a while to find like the essence of what it was but I think really it's about learning to trust people when you're younger Um, when we some people in it some people when they're growing up are having kind of difficult experiences, uh, parental or otherwise, and you know it can be quite hard to open up to your friends when you're younger. You know, uh, we get better as we go along, um, and you know, like I've got some amazing friends that I lean on for emotional support. Chris being one of them. Um, I'm I do lucky. have to. I do have to put up with the fact that you're an absolute child, but <laughs> so it's, a, it's a fair trade. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to make a film that also was representative of being a teenager in Essex. And I thought about what well, I know what it's like to be a boy growing up in Essex. Because, you know, it's like people farting and watching, play, playing PlayStation and getting stoned <laughs> for your mates in bedrooms. But I really had no idea what it was like to be a female growing up in Essex. And and I got... Uh, so I wanted to make... I, I decided to write from the perspective of two teenage girls. And I wanted to talk about friendships. And you know, you've always got that... That friend who's the confident one, and then the, the, the kind of shyer one, and I was in that dynamic as a, as a youngster, um, and that's kind of you know goes throughout a lot of literature. You always have those kind of those those coupling dynamics, and yeah. I thought it was an interesting place to explore. And I inter- interspersed some parts of my own life, uh, parts of my niece's life, and experiences we'd had growing up, and I kind of tried to write a story of someone who's going through a difficult experience. Her dad's gone AWOL. And they've gone to school and their friend uh, tries to coax them to bunk off. And she's got ulterior motives and they go for a journey from Basildon to Southend. And they ended up in an arcade uh, where conflict and resolution ensues. Nice. Is that a good? Is that, have I done all right? Very now? good. I think you did that nice little nutshell with your, 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 your movie there, mate. Well done. Thanks. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, mate. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, should, we, should we move on to... Uh, what's your yes. number three then? <clears throat> Let's crack on. Um... I'm going to need another beer in a minute. So right, uh, this, uh, I thought this was also, Stu, I really, there's so many films I've had to leave. I've had to leave out Paul Thomas Anderson films, which is unbelievable. Because every time I watch one of his films, I feel like, you know, the world's a better place and I feel like, you know, more invested in what I want to do in my life. But I had to go with this one. 
And also I realised that, you know, I know Stu's a big fan of this guy, as you are, Chris. Yeah. This is England. He's number three. Now, this thing, I know you've uh, you've had this, I think it's been mentioned before in your podcast. And I, like, for this one, I was kind of, like, thinking about, like, maybe it's not what, what happened around watching a film. And I don't, or being in a film is some sort of incidental moment. And I couldn't really ever get better than this. So I was just moved to Toronto. And also I kind of like, you know, this kind of work as a chronological part of my life in a certain degree. I was into, so Razorhead was college. This was very much university. And I've also had to leave out the Cameo Cinema in Edinburgh. I watched tons of amazing films there. Um, but I had to leave it out anyway. Um, and I was like, right, if one sums up my university time, it's this one. So I was in Toronto. I was in a, like a foreign exchange, I guess, for, 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 for five months. And I was feeling a little bit homesick. I was about three, months, three weeks in. Uh, Toronto is a very culturally different place. You wouldn't think it. Everyone's so nice and passive there. And there's no cynicism or irony. And I was going absolutely mental. <laughs> I just thought, I just thought, why is it so nice? What do they want out of me? Like, it just, it just, it was uncomfortable, like, cultural slight shift uh, uh, of learning to chill out, actually. That's the main, that's what I learned from being in Toronto. Um, and I was going to watch, so the Toronto Film Festival is a massive part of, uh, a massive film festival. And it was on, as I, I think it was the first month I got there. And, I was like, right, I'm going to look at some films. I'm definitely going to go and see a couple of films. One of them is Dawn Rescue. I don't know if you've seen that. The uh, Werner Herzog film with Christian Bale. Uh, It's an amazing film. And then another one was like, I've read in a bio, it said, this is England. I didn't know, I think I'd seen Room for a Brass, but I didn't recognise the name Shane Meadows. So I just thought, I'm going to go and see a film about England because I'm feeling homesick. Um, and I went into screening, and there was like, I think, so I guess it was the premiere, I suppose, right? Because it's obviously the film, an international film festival where they preview films. Um, and I was walking down this, I was looking down this uh, like aisle, and there was like, there's this guy sitting there, and he had like four seats next to him. So I thought, oh, I'll go and sit next to him. <laughs> like, there's loads of seats there. And I saw him and said, no, no, you can't sit there. No, you can't sit there. And I was like, who the fuck is he? He thinks it, like needs four seats to himself. And I went down a few aisles down thinking, what the fuck is that all about? And it dawned on me. I was like, oh, that must be the director. Oh, shit. And I sort of looked at him and was like, fuck you, mate, in your four seats. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Um, and he sort of looked apologetic as well. And I was just like, well, who's and I was watching this film. And obviously, it's an amazing film. Uh, and it's really hard-hitting, emotional. And, and at the end of the film, uh, I think it was... Jo- who's the girl that plays the mum? woman that plays the mum, Joe Hartley. So she yeah. was there to part of the Q&A with Shane Meadows. And and they were, you know, he was he just, he'd only finished the film nine days before. Uh, and there was, you know, a part of the story is that Thomas Fergus, his mum had passed away in the process of making it. And he just broke down in tears. And honestly, it was really, it makes me feel, it makes me well up thinking about it. So just not only watching an amazing film, but seeing that guy... Talk about it so emotionally and pa- the passion he had for it really kind of, you know, really stuck with me. And I, I le- um, when I left the screening, I thought, oh, God, I saw him sort of, t- I saw him being, you know, people going up to him and talking to him. And I thought, I really just want to go up to him. Because all these, like, everyone's, you know, a lot of Canadians there, obviously. And I thought, you might want to hear a British guy go, mate, that was the fucking bollocks. <laughs> just, <laughs> just shake his hand and leave. 
and I just remember like, because um, I don't know if you know, been to Toronto, it's like grid system. And I was still getting my, navigating my way around there. But if you can't like go round in a circle, you kind of, you, if you go left, you're going left for a long way. Like it's like blocks. Right. So if you're going the wrong way, you get, end up getting, uh, getting lost. And I ended up picking the wrong fucking turning. So I was like for ages walking up and down this road thinking, oh, I am so lost. And I realized like, I'm just going to have to walk back down the road because there's no way around, there's no quicker way around it. And I was all the time thinking, I wish I'd have spoke to him, wish I'd have spoke to him. And as I was walking down, he walks towards me with Peter Mulligan. Uh, Peter Mullen. Wow. So, and I was just like, right, here we go. And I just went, mate, that was the fucking bollocks. <laughs> I just shook it out. <laughs> I was like, that was so good. I just got, I just walked two miles out the wrong road. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I thought that's probably like you know the most vivid re- review he's had of a film um, and concise so there was a Peter, little moment there where Peter Mullen I'm thinking fuck me that's Marvel Superior from Trainspotting well he's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing director as well yes. isn't he he done, he, he done My Name Is Joe didn't he yes yeah yeah it was right. a great film uh, mm. didn't he make I think he made uh, what's the other film he made obviously he was in the, the film with uh, that Paddy directed with um, uh, Olivia Coleman, uh, Tyrannosaur Yes. Um, which is an amazing film. Uh, he made, what other film did he make, Peter Mullen? Um, it's called Negs or something. Negs. Yeah, Neds. which is awesome. Negs, yeah. non-educated delinquents. Neds, that's it, yeah. yeah. I, um, I, got, I got to uh, interview Joe Hartley about three weeks ago. Oh, nice. And, uh, and I've, I've not, it's not come out yet. But, um, and we spoke about casting Thomas Turgoose. Right. And, uh, and, and she said, basically... She wasn't going to be in the film. She was just Shane's friend uh, because she'd had a bit part uh, in Dead Man's Shoes and she was like mates with Shane. Uh, and she said basically they'd cast everybody, but he was asking her to play this mum character while they tried to cast Sean. And he said at one point, like literally Shane was heading his hands in, in a car in like a Sainsbury's car park, like literally going... I don't know what to do. I've literally, we're all good to go, but I haven't got a lead. And he said, then we just got this, this shout to go up to, um, uh, oh God, where is it? Grimsby. And she said, like, I literally just sat and done the read with Thomas and said, like, the minute it finished, he left. And, and, I, and I, she said to Shane, like, what just happened there? He was like, that was ridiculous. And he said, like, and it was like, there's our lead. And and uh, and at that point he went and obviously you're definitely playing the mum and she was like oh okay so she wow. wasn't even Dan to play that role it was only the fact that the chemistry she had with Tomo was so strong that like and and she'd kind of been on the journey trying to cast a Sean so yeah it was like so she really wasn't an actress amazing. then yeah yeah no she was yeah 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 because she she plays um one of the the wives uh, of one of the people that gets taken out in Dead Man's Shoes, the one where he knocks right, on the yeah, door, yeah, 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 yeah. she opens the door, and and, uh, and he's oh yeah blah 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 about, and uh, and she's she's looking a little bit quizzical, so she's in she's in Dead Man's Shoes, and then obviously you know she's gone on to wear uh, an amazing array of uh, huge glasses and big hair for uh, all the ser- you know subsequent series of uh, of Dead Man uh, of uh, This Is England. But, yeah, I'm a bit I'm a bit of a fan of Joe Hart. I actually. We we communicated a little bit on Twitter once, a long time ago. <laughs> so I feel like we're friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, close mate. Yeah, yeah. But I was talking to her. I think I talked about Enter the Void because I'd just seen it on Twitter. She was oh, like, yeah. I, I auditioned for the girlfriend in it. And that, got, that gives me 
yeah, and I like she seemed really lovely actually, and yeah, I just um, yeah, it's nice to talk about Shane Meadows because it's like I think he's he's the sort of Scorsese of British cinema, really, isn't he? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Number two, I guess. Yeah. Um, so number two, actually, it's also a, fi- a, f- a f- kind of films that you remember watching that you know, like number two is Dark Knight Rises by Christopher Nolan. Now, oh, wow, Dark Knight yeah. Rises honestly wouldn't be in my top 50 films I've ever seen in a cinema. Um, it's a great film, but I've seen, I've seen a lot of films. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, I saw this the day after my dad died. <clears throat> now, it's a bit of a sad note to... Uh, obviously, I'll, I'll bring the lights Keep back. Keep it light, mate. I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring the lights back up. But... Fucking hell, Aaron. Oh, Come no, on, I know, mate. I know. But it, it was like <laughs> watching a film that just... It, it completely levelled me out. Like, I was... It was fucking stressful like the experience of yeah. it all and just going to watch a film and just like massive epic like blockbuster film amazing sound design amazing everything's awesome about it. everything's top quality about it you, i just got lost for those two hours and for those two hours i just forgot about everything and i kind of actually realized that that's so when i talk about cinema experience or it's like i guess it's a liken it to going and watching a gig right you're it's a distraction right you can just totally lose yourself in that moment and that really made me realise that cinema has like, such an amazing effect on human spirit, actually, I think, honestly. And it really, it just gave me a little bit of a breathing space to sort of digest my thoughts. And I think ever since I've probably used films to do that. Like, I go to a film, to go and watch a film to chill out. Yeah. You can put your mind to something else. But what a film. I, I, man, I, I think that's my favourite superhero movie that I've seen in the cinema, definitely. Because the other thing with that is, even for pe- even for the likes of uh, un- unimaginative people like um, Stuart, for example, you don't have to suspend your disbelief too much with with, Bat- with, with Dark Knight Rises because it's quite it's very gritty and real, isn't it? As far as a man running around in spandex thinking he's a bat can be, I thought it was a, it was an absolutely incredible piece of cinematography. Right from that very first scene, you're just absolutely sucked in. Mm, yeah. Um. Um. <laughs> I I saw that at the cinema, uh, and I, you know I don't like superhero films. I did think yeah. that was a very good superhero film. Oh, okay. But I tried to suspend my imagination. Mm. It's filmed at Tilbury Fort for fuck's sake, and it's That's like, mad. and Is it's it? no easy. What think, bits yeah. are filmed at Tilbury? Or, or where they like the, like the training stuff, like where they like train. No it's way. Like, that's all at Tilbury Fort, and like, and so at that point, I'm just thinking. Right, where's the fella from the Sally Army? Because normally he's there. And it's like, and all of a sudden, it's like they've moved the cannons. Where's the cannons? Because the cannons are in that forecourt. It's like, nah, I'm not involved. I'm not involved anymore. Like, I'm just, I'm just connecting a dot here. Like, so Tom Hardy, obviously, was it, you know, big taboo was his project, right? Which our, yeah. our, our mutual friend we shall not name. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we, we shall not give any praise. Uh, the awesome screw is Pip. Um, it, I, so he was probably working on uh, that film and going, I know a place. Yep. Let's go to Tilbury. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, it's quite weird that we, you know, that there's two, obviously Taboo was, uh, that was, I think that was Colas' fault, not... Oh, right. No, okay. well, no, 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 it wasn't. It was Tilbury fault. It was Tilbury fault, sorry. All right, all right. No one needs that specific <laughs> at all. And then also the, the girl from Fish Tank got cast, didn't she, uh, at Tilbury Station. Like, right. Uh, so Andrew like, Arnold and I. Oh, this is a really good opportunity to mention Andrew Arnold because also a brilliant filmmaker. That's, 
I've really enjoyed. But yeah, that. So she was hanging around Tilbury, just like ar- ar- arguing with her boyfriend. No way. And, yeah, and apparently that was that was where like the, the conversation was heard and was like, oh, that's interesting. And the, the casting director, I think she's local. Nina Park, I think her name is. She might be around here somewhere. Yeah. Wow. Wow. There we go. Tilbury. Who would have thought? Right. And also, <laughs> I give me a really good. Like, I know we've got we've got to wrap up uh, soon, but. I felt like it gave me a good opportunity to just talk about my dad. I've got this fucking great story about my dad. Um, so have you ever seen the film Mezzarine, Stu? I haven't, no. So Mezzarine, it's Vincent Castle. Castle. Uh, it's pronounced... Anyway, I'll explain it. So my dad was a bit of a character, and uh, it's one of my honourable mentions, is watching uh, a film called A Prophet with my dad, like a really cool film. The Italian one? Yeah, you know... We, you know yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, so he wasn't he wasn't doing too well at the time, but I was trying to find. It's like it was like we watched the film together, and we we could. It was a really amazing moment watching this film. We both loved mm. it, uh, and then I was I was going to visit him in hospital. Sorry, so sad. <laughs> uh, but we were walking through this tunnel in Old Street because uh, my dad had blagged his way into Old Street uh, Morefield Hospital because <laughs> he wasn't happy with the NHS in Essex, um, and he wanted to get a bit of London specialist specialism, um, and we were going through this tube uh, tunnel. And I was like, oh, Dad, we should watch that film. It's called Mezzarine. It's, Vince, it's Vincent Castle. It's about this French like, gangster or French gangster. It was like, first of all, it's Mayreem. And I'm not watching a film about that cunt. He, he's the reason I spent six months. <laughs> six, he's the reason I spent six months in a French prison cell. That is amazing. And I was like, what? I just was like, what on earth? Like, and he, yeah, he, so he lived on his boat. My dad had a boat. My dad was moving things uh, uh, in Europe <laughs> on a boat, uh, <laughs> and he was um, for a Maltese family. True story. And uh, he was, he was, yeah, he was living on. He, he lived on his boat for three months, and then in between the two films, the two parts, that's when my dad, he lived on my dad's boat. And then they were like, uh, yeah, they arrested him basically for knowing him basically and trying to get information out of him. No way. Bit of a bombshell there. Thought I'd uh, thought that'd be a good one. With yeah, that's so cool. Well, it's not cool. Crime's bad. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, but that's you know, actually it, interesting because it, it clearly doesn't pay. <laughs> well, yeah, Vincent Castle actually said like he didn't want to because he's probably he's in my top five actors of all time, and he said he didn't want to play Marion for years because he didn't want them portraying that guy glorifying him as a gangster because he was a bit of a shitbag, and Castle didn't want to just do a movie that did that. So it's interesting. Yeah, and my dad didn't know him at all. He just, he just, he was, he was like, this, this is quite, this is actually quite a cool story. So my dad was moored up next to Oliver Reed <laughs> and Oliver Reed's captain was a friend of his and said, will you, can my mate stay on your boat for a few months? And then when he noticed like these boys appearing near my dad's boat, he was like, uh, and he realised they were police. So they weren't boys. They were like these tents appearing, like in like. But he's so the police. Uh, so the, the, they were oh, watching my dad's boat, and he was like, "You've got to go, mate. Sorry, see you later. Off you go." <laughs> I just kicked him off. So he, well, I should no, say he no. wasn't my dad's friend. Uh, I should make that very clear. No. <laughs> Crazy story, though, right? Nice little interlude. Anyway, um, so we're on number two, I believe. So we or go is it number one? To my final one. Oh, it's your final one. Final one. Uh, bringing the lights back up um, is. Two films, I couldn't really decide between them. And it was Nina Forever and a film called Calibre. Oh, right, nice. So Nina Forever uh, and Calibre were made by mates of mine. And, like, 
I guess I realised that, you know, what's the most important experiences I've had watching a film in a cinema is watching my mates make, make like, who worked incredibly hard put something on a screen and not just, like, put something on a screen and absolutely nail it. And uh, so Chris and Ben Blaine uh, made Nina Forever, and I'd worked with Chris and Ben for a long time. Uh, around, I met them around the time I made Astronaut, actually, funnily enough. And... Um, and Calibre was made by a guy called Matt Palmer, uh, and they've both actually been on Screws podcast, funny enough. Um, so Calibre was made by Matt Palmer, and he spent a really long time getting out of the ground, as they both did. And it just, it's just no better experience than watching, you know, watching your mates absolutely kill it. It's also slightly terrifying because you're like, please don't fuck this up. <laughs> but you know, I really, there really isn't a better experience than that. Just watching people like I've got a lot of time for kill it, you know. Nina Forever is a great bloody movie, and so's Caliber. Caliber's a different different take on a. Well, they're both quite dark, aren't they? But one's dark, black. One Nina Forever's, I guess, about trauma that you can't let go of, and and Caliber's like a, a, a realistic take on a horror film, really, isn't it? Like without like a big creepy crawly or something like that, and it. it's very it's a realistic take on when things could go south in the most scary of ways I did I did say to Matt after watching I was like so are you, were you really that scared of being a dad it's <laughs> 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 so like a link to a razor head to Calabar <laughs> yeah it's very good have you seen both of those Stu I haven't I think I've, I've seen Calibur but I've not seen Nina Forever oh mate I think you'd really like Nina Forever is it British and bleak yes yeah I'm in <laughs> yeah the lovemaking scenes, I think, reflect how you probably make love. Right well. now, I know that's not complimentary. Well, also, it's uh, it's 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 one of them sleeps with a dead girl. So, <laughs> it's not like it's not like when you say that people might be thinking, "Oh, that sounds like a bit should be like off the." No, it's actually a threesome sort of involving a dead girl. So there you go, there you go, which only makes it half as bad as we all know. Casting serious aspersions about you there, Stu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of sp- Only makes it half as bad. And on, and I start on the mention. I know we've, uh, I've I've dragged it out today, um, but I wanted. I met. I watching Kill Ben like actually with Pip in it was really cool. Uh, Pink Pip crushed it in that film. Uh yeah, he did. He, I, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed I didn't that. See it for ages, I thought it was good. And another shout out to Pip. And also, you mentioned Riker earlier. Um, <coughs> his little fri- fridge magnets with his head on are actually yeah, incredible. Yeah, they're dope, and they good. I know you said about him yesterday, actually, but yeah, I've heard that. I think he's going to kill it in the magnet world from now on. Oh, uh, yeah, he's going to be a market. He's going to take a, yeah, a large section of that market, I think, market lead. If we're going to talk uh, uh, annoying uh, cinema habits, obviously we touched on Chris's nachos. Um, Killing Ben Like, I went to watch it um, at Lakeside and, uh, and walked in. And uh, and and it was and there was like just like an advert for like a YouTube video on uh, uh, when I walked in and uh, and we had our seats and it was next to uh, Pip's dad and, and Pip's brother and I hadn't seen him for a while so I was like oh, hey, how are you doing they were like yeah yeah and I was thinking they're being a bit fucking rude like I'm standing there just having a chat and then I realised that the YouTube scene was actually the beginning of the film. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just standing there like chatting away and there was obviously a load of fucking people there thinking mate sit the fuck down will ya <laughs> uh, it's like the time I, had, I stood up turned around and started having to go at an autistic kid in the cinema that was awful 
That was one of the worst uh, cinematic experiences of my life. <laughs> and probably um, is. Yeah. One of the best cinematic experiences of anyone else's life was the time they saw, they sat in a cinema with me uh, naked watching Lake Placid. But I really haven't got time to go into that, I'm afraid, guys. But uh, shout out to anyone on that fateful day. Uh, I'm going to end this. My, my, my worst cinema experience was watching Underworld 3 with Chris, and it was Chris's choice. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to, you know... I try and get Chris to come along to more cultured films. I think you appreciate that, Stu. Uh, you realise that I think we're on a similar, we've got a similar taste in films. Chris, not so oh, much. Wow. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll go and see this film. All right, yeah, all right, let's go and see it. I'll, you know, solidarity <laughs> and all that. It was absolutely awful, and I've never been to the cinema with Chris ever again. <laughs> do do <laughs> you find that, like, I, I, I get like, like, if someone says something like that to me, I almost get angry at what I'm watching. Like we, I, I saw a film uh, called Anaconda. I think Ice Cube's in oh, it. Oh, it's a classic. Right there, you go. <laughs> that, that that explains Absolute everything classic. about the dynamic of our friendship. <laughs> I, listen, I, I went when my, when my dad died on after the funeral. When I went up, got home with my mum, and I was like, "What do you want to watch?" Is that watch? a competition, Chris? On. <laughs> but, <laughs> when my dad died, which was worse. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we sat down and the thing we watched before we went to bed was Anaconda, my mum's choice. And I was like, oh, thank God. Oh. Thank God mum didn't die. Your mum is a big fan of Ice Cube, don't she? <laughs> uh, Aaron, where can people keep up to speed with uh, what's going on? Well, uh, so the prints are going on sale uh, in, I'm not sure, hopefully January. Uh, and I was thinking about running a competition with you guys. Hey folks, Dangerous Loner here. Spreading some Christmas cheer all around. And what's the best thing about Christmas? Getting gifts, getting them for free. And our wonderful guest this week, Aaron, is doing exactly that through his competition. And these are the details of that. So as you know from listening to the episode today, he has made a movie, a short film, called Arcadia Lasts. And alongside that, he's produced and worked with three really cool street artists that are very popular to produce artwork for it which is available for sale. What he's going to do is let you get one of these for free if you enter the competition, and this is how you do it. Simply go to squaritypopup.bigcartel.com. I will send you the link on our artwork for this week's episode, but that's squaritypopup.bigcartel.com. And there you'll see the Arcadia Last's artwork by Joe Peel, Riker, and David Walker. What we want you to do Grab your screen grab, your favourite piece of art, and post it on your Instagram feed. We want you to post it, and we want you to tag in Aaron at new underscore Waverly underscore studios. Waverly is spelt W-A-V-E-R-L-E-Y, not that you can all spell that anyway. We want you to do hashtag Arcadia, A-R-C-A-D-I-A, Lasts, L-A-S-T-S. I can't believe I just spelt last there. If you tag at New Wavy Studios, hashtag Arcadia Lasts, and tag the artist as well. So if it's Joe Pill's work, it's at Joe underscore Pill, J-O underscore P-E-E-L, two E's. If, it, if it's Dave Walker's piece, it's at Art of David Walker, all one word. And if it's Riker's piece, it's at Riker underscore artist. And the one last thing to do is just in your notes field, in the comments field, just put your favourite cinematic experience. It doesn't have to be War and Peace. If it's Terminator 2, 
right Terminator 2 because I can guarantee you Aaron just has already seen that movie and saw it at the cinema. So there you have it, folks. These art prints, all three are really fucking awesome. So you're spoilt for choice there. Um, post it up there and on Christmas Day, Aaron's going to get in touch and let you know if you won. You lucky tuckers. Merry Christmas. Good luck with the short movie, man. Oh, Looking amazing. forward to Great seeing work. it. Yeah. Thanks very much, guys. I really uh, appreciate being on the show. I'm honestly a big fan of it. Um, I remember listening to Chris uh, on the on the on the drunk cast, and it was pr- get, hearing Chris get mugged off on a regular basis is what I need in my life. So thank thanks, you, man. It's thanks, a real service man. you're providing me. Yeah, I know, man. I know. It's nice to give something back. Chris and I want to tell you all about our Patreon page. It won't take long, but we think you're going to want to hear it because you're missing out. Quite frankly, Massively. all the more risque stuff that we sometimes think, oh, can we get away with that? Uh, we put it on our Patreon pages. And there's over 150 episodes uh, for our $10 subscribers. Absolutely. So for well, whatever that works out in UK pounds, what's that, about £7.50 a month? Yeah, for, for the price of a bag of chips, uh, for a Savoy and chips, you can actually have us in your ears four times extra a month. That's four episodes minimum that we put out um, exclusively for Patreons. Plus, um, there's loads of... We video most of our episodes now and the videos. You can watch all of the podcasts now over on Patreon as well. Um, we put up loads of other unique content over there, yeah, don't there's, we? Yeah, there's, there's pictures there. It's basically our version of our OnlyFans account, isn't it, basically? So you, you exactly. get the sort of pictures on there of, of the behind the scenes of Stu tucking into a pot noodle, basically. Sort of stuff you, that shouldn't be available to the public. No one needs to see that. But that's all. We just thought we'd give you a quick heads up that if you're enjoying these podcasts, then be aware for like £7.50, you can go and listen to over 150 exclusive episodes. And there's some great ones over there with previous guests as well. Um, loads of names that you're going to recognise if you've been listening to, to the, 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 the weekly podcast we put out. And yeah, and also, if you are a subscriber, we're more than likely to do one of your top fives if you recommend it because we prioritise the patrons first, don't we, as well? Absolutely, yeah. So we we try and sort of do as many top five suggested by you lot as well. So uh, yeah, head over to Patreon. Where can they find out about it, Chris? Uh, Patreon dot com forward slash hardcore listing. Easy peasy, and you can watch an intro video there as well of us in jacuzzis and doing sexy stuff with Gal Porter. With Gal Porter, not doing sexy stuff with Gal Porter. Can I just clear clear that up, <laughs> Gal? Not trying to drag your name through the mud. <laughs> and Scroobius Pip. Yeah. <laughs> All right. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash hardcore listing. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Hardcore Listing, the podcast. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.